Now, I didn't, I didn't have a deep dive in looking at what it is you do because I'd rather talk to you about it and learn about it while we're talking, if that's okay. Sure, of course. Is that all right? Because I, one thing in all the ten years of podcasting that myself and my co-host Neil have done, we very rarely do um, research, and sometimes oh. it's good. Uh, we always find that it's it's more interesting that we learn. I've never understood why people would do loads of research so they know the answers to the questions already. So yeah. we've always done that. I've been on that thing that we'll we'll go in and know very little so that we learn the same as when the listeners hearing it as well. Does that make sense? It does. It makes it, I think, a very organic conversation. Which is what I'm trying to go for. And yeah. um, over the last few episodes, um, I think you're episode nine, and we're on to episode five that has been uh, released. So. I've noticed over the last few episodes that we've gone to gone for the Joe Rogan style start where it's <clears throat> we're just talking and then we just go oh, hi friends and here we are we've now started the episode. Uh so Jen, um thank you very much for joining me. Um you're joining me on two capacities really. You're joining me uh for being a teabagger. Yes. Uh, which I've already explained people that have listened I'm not going to keep <laughs> listening to that because I will be talking to a lot of the uh, the fan community that is called the Teabaggers uh, in in episodes because I've got a lot of friends uh, that I've never met but that I class as friends on on social media. Uh, but you're also a so what are you exactly in regards to like mental health? Well, I mean, I guess in regards to mental health, I'm a person too. So I have my own mental health. I've had my own experiences and ups and downs in that area. But professionally, I have some good experience to kind of shed light on the topic. I'm both a licensed marriage and family therapist, which here in California just means I'm a therapist. So I help right. people struggling with depression, anxiety, and trauma are kind of my wheelhouses, the most common things that people experience. Um, and I'm also a certified Kundalini and yoga teacher, which is a very spiritual it's more of like a practice of getting to know yourself and feel your connection with yourself and improve that relationship. Um, so it includes a lot of meditation and chanting. So stuff that people think is very far out there, but once you do it, it feels so good. You keep coming back. Um, so those are kind of my two paths because I found the therapy was incomplete. And so once I learned the Kundalini yoga and meditation, I felt like I had a more complete picture of like, how humans work, of all the tools that we can use to improve our experience in this life. Okay, we'll we'll go into the um, like the spiritual side of it because that's that's the bit that I that I is struggle the right word. I I don't know. I, well, maybe it is. Maybe struggle is the right word. So maybe we can go into that a little bit more. But what made you want to? It was it your experiences with mental health that made you want to go into that kind of line of work. It was a progression for me. So I'm one of these people like in eighth grade or I guess ninth grade, I knew I wanted to be a therapist. I was always the person who people felt safe talking to. Like people would tell me the things they wouldn't tell other people. And I would read like memoir after memoir after memoir about people struggling with different mental health conditions because I just wanted to understand people. And I found it pretty easy to see like, how people got to where they were, whether it was struggling with depression or an eating disorder. Like if you listen to their story, if you listen to their thoughts and feelings, you could kind of, I could easily connect those dots. So it started there just really seeking knowledge and wisdom on 
what makes human beings who we are and in the patterns that we have in our own minds and our behavior. And then once I got my master's, which here in the US is six years of school, and then I did three years of internship doing therapy, it was wonderful and my clients were getting better and it was just such a great experience. But I, I had thought that at that point, I would be like, I got it. Like I understand like what makes people tick. And I felt like I only, I real I understood a small piece of the puzzle really, really well, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So then I needed to look outside the more traditional like psychology umbrella. And I grew up essentially atheist. And so I just stumbled upon some books on mindfulness. Um, so very non-spiritual um, practices of just being present. And that really helped me a lot to cope with um, the early stages of my job where I was a young, I was in like 26 talking with clients who had severe trauma histories. And so those mindfulness practices really helped me cope with um, a lot of the stories and the energy I was hearing, the emotional intensity I was hearing. And then it just was like a step-by-step -step thing from mindfulness to studying Buddhism and then to um, taking my first Kundalini yoga class. And I was terrified because I knew you had to chant. And I was like, so I don't have a nice voice, like singing voice. And oh, right. I would like had like shy away from attention at that point in my life. Like I had some like self-esteem stuff where I didn't want to be the center of attention. I was afraid of, of what other people were thinking of me, but I went cause my best friend invited me and I chanted and I just felt this lightness of being afterwards that I had never experienced like so quickly. It was like the weight of the world was lifted off my shoulders. And so I was hooked from like day one on the Kundalini yoga piece. Um, and then, <coughs> I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> oh, bless your heart. <laughs> I got to figure out my mute button. Um, and then, um, anyways, so in, in continuing that practice, I started teacher training, and that was where the, like, spirituality of yoga really kicked in because I had some very transformative experiences that kind of honestly shifted me from atheist to more like agnostic, like feeling that connection between everybody, feeling that there's some guiding intelligence. And and that's not required to practice Kundalini Yoga. It just happened for me to be like a good side benefit. I was going to ask you that because, um, <clears throat> because I'm an atheist. And I think that maybe is the block in me in trying things like uh, going, going down the spiritualist route, if you like, because mm. things that I've, I've seen... Um, I've seen like meditation on uh, on the internet, and uh, Dan, uh, the previous guest, sent me something on there uh, about it as well. And I'm kind of, I, it's like dipping your toes into it, into something that you don't quite believe in. But the way you're talking about it is, you dipped your toes, and that made you believe that it was um, beneficial for you. Sure, and like just to address that initial barrier. So if someone's atheist and they want to step into like a mindfulness or meditation practice, there are so many different ways to think about it. So it doesn't have to be about connecting with spirit. It can be about I want to deepen my connection with myself. I want to understand my own soul better. I want to even if the word soul doesn't resonate with you, which for some it doesn't like I just want to feel more grounded in who I am and what that connection is like and feel what it's like to live with a clearer mind. 
So we all have this mental chatter that's very distracting. And so through meditation, your mental chatter can, the vol it's like turning down the volume. Right. And then you get a sense of like, oh, like what is it like to be in this body, in this life without the constant mental chatter, which we often think is who we are. I don't know if this is getting too abstract, but like we no, often, no, we often think that mental chatter is who we are, but you learn through meditation that it's not. It's like a program your mind is running. And sometimes that program is leans towards depression or anxiety. So it's important to understand that like that isn't who you are. And there are ways you can tune that down. You can turn the volume down. You can make the voice a little quieter. Because that's one thing I, <clears throat> I, I, say, I wouldn't even say I've noticed. The one thing I've known for years is that I talk to myself all the time. Now, whether it's a pep talk or whether it's just talking to myself about things of the day or news, I'm always talking to myself. And I must look crazy to somebody else that is either walking past me or driving past me in the car because I'm assuming that you know my mouth is constantly moving all the time. Um. Now, again, is is I mean, I'm not saying that that's anything spiritual, but is is talking to yourself a way of trying to come to terms with yourself or is it because i've often thought to myself why do i talk to myself and i've never really had an answer for that well i would like i think we're probably all unique like when i was talking about the mental chatter i was talking more about like non-verbal like, like in your head patterns right um but i think it's fascinating that you talk to yourself but it sounds like you're doing it i guess i would ask you the question i would ask is like how do you feel when you're talking to yourself? Like in what circumstances? Because it sounds to me like you're just trying to like encourage yourself through the day. Yeah, uh, I, I'm not going to get a bill if I answer you this, am I? I mean, you're, not <laughs> no, no, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> I can only treat people in California anyway. Oh, that's so fine. Then, thank God for that. Uh, I thought you were going to ask my PayPal or something after this. <laughs> um, well, to be fair, it, it can literally be like if I've done something stupid, I'll call myself a stupid name. Mm -hmm. Or if I'm trying to do something, sometimes I will tell myself, what are you doing this for? This is ridiculous. You shouldn't be doing this. Just stop. And sometimes mm -hmm. I will give myself a pep talk and I'll be like, well, come on, you can do this. You can. Mm -hmm. So it's, 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 it's almost, it's almost like the proverbial like devil and angel on, on the shoulder because sometimes I'm trying to help myself and sometimes I'm almost bringing myself down. Yeah. So it's, it's never the same thing every time. Um, and yeah. sometimes it might just be stupid, stupid things. If I slip, I might go, Oh, you nearly slipped over then. Like I'm talking to myself in a third person. Mm -hmm. It's almost like I'm talking to like, like I am some, I'm talking to myself. If, if like an out of body kind of experience, which again, then is that, is that a spiritual kind of thing? I don't know. Maybe I'm already doing it. I don't know. Maybe I, it sounds to me like you're more you're verbalizing what a lot of people do internally, like it's right. just coming out your mouth. And I almost think it's it, I, it's endearing to me, right? Because to me, it sounds like you're kind of being your own best friend in that moment. I mean, in the in the more kind moments that when you're being kind and supportive of yourself. Yeah, like I just it seems like that's how you you dialogue with yourself is is out loud. And I I mean, I don't know, you would have to answer whether that's a spiritual thing for you, mm. um, like whether it feels like it's feeling connective, but it doesn't sound, it definitely sounds like you're giving yourself that feedback loop right. of just kind of um, 
you know, in a lot of those examples you gave, you are kind of coaching yourself through the situation and trying to boost yourself up. And then in the times when your automatic thought is negative, it's just coming out, you know, coming out your mouth. Mm. Well, I think it's yeah. probably just personality, you know, that we're all yeah. we're all different in 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 these ways. Yeah. So um, in being someone that is that is in, that your job is dealing with mental health and stuff like that, do you feel that it's it's it, you have to be somebody that has sort of had dealings in your personal life with mental health to be able to be uh, better at that job, as opposed to just everything being what you've learned um, for six years of school and three years of, sure. of being on the job. Yeah, I think that what's most important is that someone who's helping another person with their mental health or even life coaching or other stuff is that you're doing your own work. And so like I've had um, an episode or two of depression and I, I can relate to anxiety. I don't think I've met like a diagnosable level, um, but I don't have a personal history with trauma, but I can help clients who have those things and others. Um, not necessarily because my personal experience directly reflects theirs, but I know what it's like to struggle in this like area of mental health. And I know what it's like to dig yourself out of it. And I've tried the things that I teach my clients. So I know kind of what that's like. And so there's a certain authority that I have that doesn't come from anything I read in a book or anything that was taught to me. There's a certain authority I have because I have walked the walk and it might not be the same path that my clients take, but I have like that authority and a certain level of integrity because I do the work. Mm. Um, but I wouldn't say that to be a therapist, you have to have had those things, but I do think to be a therapist, you have to be self-reflective. You have to be implementing the tools that you teach to other people you kind of have to be in that process of personal growth um just i feel in order to have that integrity with your clients right if you're just meeting somebody in day-to-day -day life do you tend to sort of try and diagnose them as you're talking to them do you sort of say yeah what they're telling me is actually a load of crap that they they they've got mental health problems or that they've got something going on <laughs> behind those eyes it's, you know, at this stage in the game, I was licensed in 2011. So I've been doing it since three or four years before then. It might like cross my mind. I might be like, oh, like there could be some depression there. Oh, you know, like, you know, it's just, it's, it's what I do. So my mind might just make those connections, but it's more of a passing thought than anything mm. else at this point. But when I was new and learning and I was really excited about like getting good at this stuff and like, how to identify these things? Um, then I would think more, more about it and, you know, process, you know, with one friend, like what another friend might be going through and not in a negative way, but just like, I was trying to, I was new to the field. I was trying to apply what I had learned. Mm. Um, but there's this myth that therapists are like, always like reading other people's minds or like, yeah. look, we're not trying to do all that. <laughs> like being a therapist is similar to being a teacher where it's you're yourself, but you're putting on a role. And yeah. so when you're not in that therapist role, you want to put it down and just be yourself. Mm. Um, and so we're not like up to all the like tricks that people think that we're up to. It's like, it's funny because I was talking to somebody a couple of weeks ago, um, not on the podcast. This was just like a private conversation. And because um, I'm just coming out, I feel I'm coming out of what was a, a, a bite of depression for a few weeks. Mm -hmm. And 
and he said to me, I, I never get depressed. He said, you know, I, I just never get depressed. I, I, I'm always sort of quite happy. I never feel like I'm getting anxious or um, depressed or I've had any problems with my mental health. And I said, nobody, can, you're lying. I said to him, I said, you're lying because everybody stresses about something. Nobody's life is that perfect. He said, well, no, I just don't let it bother me. I said, you know, things that happen, I just don't. I said, yeah, but that, when you do feel a little bit, you know, you must feel a little bit. That's got to go somewhere. I said, don't you feel like it's all it's going to build up somewhere and all of a sudden you're just going to explode? And he went, no, no, I don't think so. But I think everybody, everybody must feel like that. With different levels, obviously. Yeah, I think so too. And look, the statistics show that it's at, at least one point in most people's lives will meet criteria for like a major depression. And that doesn't mean you can't get out of bed and you can't go to work. It just means you're you're feeling low most of the time for, for those few weeks. So most of us will have a period of time like that. I'm a big, firm, I'm a firm believer in like the diversity of the human species. So I would say there probably are, like it's a bell curve, right? Yeah. There probably are some people at the like tippy top, super lucky end of the spectrum who don't like, who just bounce back or whatever. And so I'm, I'm not gonna say that this particular person wasn't telling the truth, but I think most often what happens is that people are um not aware when they're feeling poorly or like they they minimize or avoid their negative emotion or they don't know how to recognize it and so it does catch up with them at some point and they are shocked and completely caught off guard to mm. all of a sudden have and sometimes it comes up as like a, a medical issue um and so if you suppress negative emotions for a long period of time then they that energy lives in the body and so it can sometimes create like medical issues um so sometimes that happens or sometimes someone will go through like a divorce or they'll lose a parent and that process will be much more difficult like it's an already difficult process but it'll be much more difficult than maybe they think it should be on the surface because all of the feelings that they maybe had stuffed or minimized are then coming up through this like negative experience. Right. Um, and yeah. so I, I think it's possible that your friend is telling the truth, but it's also possible that there's stuff going on under the surface that he just isn't aware of. And I think men are at a disadvantage this way because, you know, it's changing thankfully, but they're generally not socialized to be aware of all the subtle the more subtle emotions right men are more socialized to like it's acceptable to be angry or maybe even jealous but not lonely and not sad and not definitely not like having worries about being a failure or inferior right those feelings are are challenging for most men to like admit that they're feeling to themselves and then to somebody else I would say personally, I mean, like I said, I don't know about my friend, but that's one of the things that I find that I'm questioning about myself. Whenever I'm in these bouts of depression, that's what I question the most is the fact that I'm like failing myself and failing other people and letting other people down. That That is what I think sets me off mm. more than more than anything else. It's not, it, it's, and it's also, I think, the fact that you feel weak. Mm -hmm. especially um, I don't know as a man or as a woman I don't think it's any different but but you do I think you do feel as a as a well me as a 54 year old man that you shouldn't be feeling like this and you feel a little bit um 
weak and wet and you know mm-hmm. you shouldn't shouldn't be feeling like this but you can't help yourself feeling like that yeah and i talk to my clients often about exactly what you just described whereas there, there's the symptom so there's the anxiety or the depression itself so like you just described that feeling of like i'm a failure i'm letting people down is like literally part of the criteria of depression mm. so enough of enough human beings feel that that it's listed in a book of like possible ways people could feel right and so i say that just to say it's an incredibly common feeling and i think as a man you have a bigger tendency to have shame about having that feeling because men aren't supposed men are supposed to be confident right like all the time that's an impossibility i think in a human being to be confident all the time so i think the depression itself of feeling like a failure men and women can both share that mm. but i think that experience of feeling like a failure is harder for men because there can be some shame about that because it's not socially acceptable for men to feel that way. Um, so it gets very complex. Yeah, that, that makes makes a lot of sense. I think, but the thing is, and, and as you just said, that it's a very common thing. And the one thing I've always thought to myself is, um, even when I'm, I'm not in a bout of depression, is there are other people that are far worse off than you, you know, as in, in me personally. So you mm-hmm. try and give yourself that pep talk that, you know, okay, you're feeling bad, but there are people out there that, are, you know, have got got it way worse than you have. But then I think to myself, well, I'm in my own head. I'm not yeah. in their head. So as much as I know that there are people that are, you know, with different places in the world where wars are going on and people haven't got enough food to eat and all of that kind of stuff, it still doesn't take out the fact that I'm in my head at the moment and this is what I'm dealing with and it's me and I have to deal with this whatever it is that's going through my head. Yeah, and look, I that idea of like other people have it worse off than me, that thought is helpful for some people. But I find for most of my clients when they think that, they're almost then ashamed that they feel badly about their situation. Exactly, absolutely. So it's pile like shame on like, well, why can't I get my stuff together when there's people over there dealing with like actual war or whatever. Yeah. And so at that point, it is unhelpful, I think, to compare your situation to someone else's because also like you suffering doesn't improve their suffering or reduce their suffering, right? Like the two, your well-being and their well-being are not linked. And mm. so there's no reason why why you don't deserve to feel, first of all, to like, accept and validate and and be kind to yourself about where you are at and seek for your own personal development and improvement and how you experience your life independent of someone else's suffering because the Mm. truth also is if we're all depressed and just staying in bed all day we can't help our neighbor no that is true you just you got to be you got to have a certain level of functioning in order to show up for the other people on this planet that might need our voice and our energy and our support. Right. Um, and that's not to guilt anyone who is depressed and under the covers. <laughs> like we all also have our days and weeks and months like that. Um, <clears throat> but I just, that idea of like other people always have it worse. It does help some people, but I think most of us use it to minimize our own suffering or feel shame about like, why don't I feel better? Like other people have it worse. Yeah. Okay. Right. The spiritualist side or the spiritual side then. So say you've got somebody, okay, that is 
mid fifties mm-hmm. that is a skeptic mm-hmm. that is um, you know sure. that, that that doesn't believe that that kind of thing that it's all hokum that it's all it's all just you know stuff that people go on about and I don't get it what would what do you do to make some or what's the best thing for that person as mm-hmm. an entry level thing into spiritualism yeah first I would say as like an atheist myself for most of my life is like I don't put I don't particularly care what someone believes I care what's your quality of life how do you feel about yourself how do you feel about your life and that's coming from the spiritual perspective and from a therapy perspective but if you want to like get the benefits almost of a spiritual belief system and practice without having to like feel like you're gaslighting yourself into believing something you don't believe, then you start with mindfulness, which is being wholly present, wholly attentive to the present moment, not wholly H-O-L-Y, but like completely. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized that that was being completely present or I'm sorry, completely attentive to the present moment. And this brings, um, it's just the start of that experience of, of observing the world around you, starting to quiet the programming of the mind that we often lose our attention into of worrying about the past or replaying the past, worrying about the future, that type of thing. And then you start to experience this awareness that I is the if I can observe my thoughts and feelings, then I am not my thoughts and feelings. And then you just get this initial experience that I am something that is observing my life or that is I'm something that's that's going through my life and experiencing these thoughts and feelings. I am not the same as them. And that's as spiritual as you need to get in order to and that I can be part of your identity that passes away when you die. Like you don't have to believe in a God or infinite or anything like that. But that little separation of almost like I am, I am a human being who's experiencing these thoughts and feelings and situations in my life can give you a groundedness and perspective that will shift how you experience your life. Right. And, and does then, that does that go hand in hand with meditation then in, in the fact that does that the meditation help you get into that headspace then? Yes. So mindfulness is a simpler technique and you can practice mindfulness in any any entity, right? So like when I have a conversation with someone like yourself or like we're having right now, I'm practicing mindfulness. I'm I'm trying to be wholly present, connected, like integrated in this moment, right? Mm. And not having my mind wander. But then meditation is also a way to practice mindfulness where you can sit cross-legged and close your eyes, focus your attention on your breath. And so in that way, meditation and mindfulness are overlapping. But for people who struggle with that, mindfulness is a much more expansive, flexible practice, which is why I I like to encourage people to start with it. And one of my favorite ways is even being mindful, like while you're washing your hands or you're doing dishes, especially like put on some warm water. And as you wash your hands, like really look at your hands and feel what it's like to have the warm water on your hands and, you know, the soap and then you rinse them or even as you do your dishes, really look at what you're doing, like not listening to no offense, not listening to a podcast, not listening to music. Like when you're washing the dishes, you're washing the dishes, even if it's only three of them. And that experience of being wholly attentive and connected to the present moment 
is healing in so many ways that are hard to describe. Um, but like I said, if you do that over, you know, if you try to revisit that experience, um, not 100% of the time, but just kind of come back to it, you just start to get this perspective of your life that it's a little elevated, like a little bit of a higher perspective. Um, and it doesn't have to be spiritual. It's just a different perspective that mm. isn't caught in the ruminations of the mind, which often just tend to be repeating themselves anyway. It's the same story over and over and over again in our minds. It's weird you saying that because it's just, it's just occurred to me that things like doing the dishes, um, which I'm married, so I have to do. Uh, I have mm. to do the dishes. Um, even things like brushing my teeth and things like that when I'm getting ready for work in the morning, I always have my phone on and I'm watching things like YouTube while I'm doing these things. So I'm kind of doing two or three things at once mm -hmm. rather than concentrating on the one thing that I'm supposed to be doing. And I always feel like my brain is like always thinking about what the next thing is. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, we got a podcast tonight or, oh, I'm doing this or, oh, I've got that to do or two days time I'm doing this. I'm never thinking about what's happening at, so is that what you're saying to more concentrate on the thing you're doing at that specific time yes and you don't have to do it every single thing so i no. love eating a meal in front of a show i know look i i study mindfulness and all this stuff i know i should sit with my meal and savor every bite i really enjoy watching a show while i eat a meal and so i just say that because you don't have to be perfect you don't have no. to do it 100 percent of the time we tend to have really black and white hard standards for ourselves but if you can pick two or three or four activities throughout the day that you're intentionally going to be really present with. And then I think, especially if you're coming out of a season of depression or feeling depressed, self-care tasks tend to be very hard anyway. Mm. Um, so if you need a distraction to get yourself to do it, do that, like do what works. But if you feel like you could get yourself to wash your hands or brush your teeth or groom yourself, um and just be present in that caring for your physical body it's almost like sending a different message than the depressive messages so the depressive messages are like i'm not good enough i'm a failure right but if through your actions you say no i deserve to take three minutes and brush my teeth and groom myself and put a lot of love and care and attention into caring for my physical body it's a way to almost look it doesn't happen in that one three minutes but it's a way to almost act yourself out of depression or to at least boost your mood a little bit and send the message that you know i might feel like a failure but i'm worthy of these three minutes to like make myself feel better mm -hmm. um and to do that mindfully without the distraction would be a more powerful experience both for the depression and then just experiencing a little quieting of the mind Okay, another question that I was uh, talking to somebody uh, at work, um, a friend of mine called Ralph, who's going to be on, uh, he's going to come and join me on the podcast um, uh, in the new year. Um, we were talking about fate, and I was Ooh. I was talking about the fact that I, I in in all of my years of 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 living, I still don't know if I believe in fate. Um, mm -hmm. Where where do you as as a professional, where do you stand on that? Mm, that's a tricky response because personally, <laughs> right? Personally, I have very strong, like, but they're religious, like spiritual feelings. I'm not religious, but spiritual feelings about fate, which I'd be happy to share. But like from a mental health perspective and a professional perspective of like something that clients 
that's more more like appropriate for the general population i think than just you know me or people who who believe the things i do um i think fate is like a triggering word i would almost reframe it to do you believe that things eventually work out like if you look back on your life can you see how even the things that didn't work out notably relationships maybe housing situations maybe jobs that oftentimes things didn't go your way or didn't go the way you wanted but it ended up being okay or better than you had thought it could be and could it be true that right now the things that aren't going the way you wanted will eventually in the long run end up okay yeah um i mean to be honest i i, I would almost reframe frame it as well is Everything that has happened in my past has had to happen to make me be right here, right now. Exactly. So in regards to, you know, having a lovely wife and having kids and having grandchildren, if one thing back 30 years, 40 years ago had been slightly different, none of that would have happened. But yeah, I think it's because sometimes you can you can simplify it in the fact that I was saying to my friend that, it's things like if I go and walk over there and I say I'm going to go left, but at the last minute I turn right, is, is it fate that I was always going to go right? It doesn't matter mm. whether I thought I was going to go left and at the very last minute I change my mind and I go right, but mm -hmm. then you're always going to go right. That kind of thing of like, is it preordained? Is, it, is, the, is your path completely, mm, sort, completely sorted out for you? And if that's the case then there's no free will because everything is all we're getting really really deep sure. in the weeds here but sure but like i'm glad you clarified what you meant by fate because i was mm. thinking i was thinking something more along something else than than that yeah i mean i just i don't believe that um but that's something we all kind of that's something that we all have to discover for ourselves but i just i also at a certain level with spiritual beliefs you get to choose what you believe. And so yeah. because we only have proof or evidence or whatever of so much. So beyond that, you get to choose what you believe. And so to a certain extent, I'm like, I don't want to believe in fate like that. I don't want to live a life where I don't believe I have at least some free will. Like I do believe in karma. So I believe that my actions from past lives or from this life, like might bring up challenges for me in the future but then it's up to me whether i learn the lesson and overcome the challenge or i re or i just re-experience the lesson which is the hard part yeah. um but now we are like we're getting into my personal spiritual beliefs right mm. but i don't believe it's ordained to like it'll you know it has to go this way yeah. and i just in all the like meditations and that just isn't my intuition for myself about what my life is like or what it feels like. Mm. Um, and that isn't my experience. Like my experience is, I don't know, that life is, when you get aligned and you follow your intuition, that life can be pretty magical. And so it doesn't feel constricted. It has felt constricted at periods in my life and I'm sure it will again. But that's just been my personal experience that when I do the work and I follow my intuition and I, you know, I'm kind of grounded and guided and, and doing what I feel called to do, even when it's scary that things work out for my benefit.
Um, and so that, but that's more, like I said, now we're getting into like my, <laughs> my personal experience and my personal spiritual beliefs. And we all get one of the beautiful things is we all get to discover that for ourselves. That is true. Um, okay. Uh, we're, Coming on to the last question. Now, this is the question I've decided that I'm going to ask every guest at the end of the, okay. of the podcast. Comes in two parts, okay? okay? First question: If you could go back to your ten-year-old self, uh, what would you say to her? Ah, uh, I would say you're good enough. Okay. Yeah. Is that it? <laughs> That's it. That's, <laughs> that's what I needed. <laughs> that's all you needed. That's, what, I mean, yeah. that's fair enough. It's just those words. You're, okay. So the second part, the second part, um, if your 75 year old self came back and saw you now, what mm. would you hope that she would say to you? No, I'm so proud of you. Uh. <laughs> that makes me like so emotional to think about. <laughs> I'm it's it's like... weird because I've asked the question about three or four times and I think it's, it, I mean, I've never had to answer it, so I'm I'm fine. But I feel it is one of those <laughs> questions that it does make you. It, it I think it just scans your whole life, and it makes you think back yeah. and think forward. And um, yeah, I'm in a period. So I have a two and a half year old. I'm in a period of massive transition, like just becoming a mother in the past few years. And um, I started my private practice this year, and I'm like working on this podcast and this the the Kundalini yoga stuff. And so I'm like, I'm just in, I'm in it, right? I'm in like a, a harder, not in a bad way, but just like a more challenging period of life where I'm pulled in many directions and I'm not getting enough sleep, right? So it's like, there's a lot of challenges going on right now that parallel a lot of really amazing mm. things that are happening. And so that's why it like choked me up because to think about this period of my life from, from the scope of my whole life, it first of all made me like acutely aware that like a lot of the challenges of this period are temporary like in a year or two you know it'll be my life will be less challenging yeah um or I'll, I'll feel less like pulled in fewer directions but then also that ultimately i think i'm doing a pretty good job with with like you know caring for my daughter and managing my business and then moving this other thing forward and it's slow because it's like i do a little over here and a little here and a little there and then I dropped the ball here, so I put that back up. You know, it's just kind of like, um, it just feels like that, like I'm juggling a lot right now. But to think about it from the perspective of of my 75-year-old self, like I'm doing a pretty good job and I can see how the things I'm doing now are gonna, are gonna um, come to some pretty cool like fruitions. Yeah, so like when you're saying you've got all this stuff going, going on, uh -huh. does that make, when you're doing your, you know, getting into the spirituality part of it, does that make it easier or harder because you know how to deal with it with so much going on? So much easier. I can't even tell you. The, the part that is harder about it is before I had my daughter, I could spend an hour doing my yoga and meditation every day. And so I know what life feels like when you have that practice. Right. Okay. And so right now I'm like, oh, like I would, I wish that I could do that. But I just, I don't want to get into it. But for like a lot of lifestyle things, like I just can't get there where I have an hour to just be quiet and uninterrupted and dedicate to my practice. Um, but that being said, overall, it is so much easier. I can't even tell you how grateful I am for 
my uh, my meditation practices and and the yoga practices and the teachings. There's a lot of spiritual teachings about kind of I don't know how to explain it, but just like how to how to move through life in a way that feels very inspired and present and is very validating to the human experience and uplifting mm. at the same at the same time. So that has absolutely carried me through. So uh, what what's the podcast that you were talking about? Oh, so my husband and I have a podcast is called Heart Centered Revolution. Um, and we we always start with like a teaching from Kundalini Yoga, but we really it's really entry level stuff. So if people are interested in not practicing Kundalini Yoga, but learning more about some of the spiritual philosophies behind it, things like chakras and, um, you know, different mantras that you can use. We really talk about how you apply them in real life. So it's a very grounded way of kind of introducing some of these yogic techniques and practices and, and, and beliefs. Um, and then every episode ends with a three minute breathing practice. So you get a little like three minute meditation at the end of each episode. Wow. Okay. Well, if you want to send me the, the link to that, I'll put it in the link of the show notes oh, and then people sure. can just uh, click on that. And I take it you've got a website and everything with all of your yeah. other stuff. So uh, what's that? Oh, it's heartcenteredrevolution.com. And we actually have some free programs. We have a free 10 day meditation program and we have a free five day like introduction to Kundalini Yoga. So if people just want to experience it, you can sign up for those on the website and you get the practices and the emails to kind of dip your toe in and see see how it resonates for you. Excellent. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, we'll leave it for there for now. And then when you come back on again, because I'm sure okay. hopefully you'll come back on again, we'll, we'll talk all about the yoga and stuff like that, because I would like to know how somebody who's not very supple and not very uh, bendy can maybe do things like yoga, because I'm assuming there must be entry levels of yoga as well. 100%. Kundalini yoga is not what you think of when you think of yoga of like skinny women wearing crop tops, like doing headstands. Like I think about a... that all the time, Jen. <laughs> Good for you, Pavo. But not um, in a yoga sense. It's for other things, I think. <laughs> that's not the type of yoga that I do. Okay. The type we do is, you know, it's, it's just it's a different practice. So yeah, if you're interested, I'd love to share more. But, you know, heartcenterrevolution.com can get people there too. If they're, we'll if put they're that curious. link in the I'll put that link in the show notes as well. So uh, before we actually say goodbye, let me get through all the gubbins that I've got to do as well. Um, if you want to get in touch, please email bigblackbearpod at gmail.com. All the links for the podcast and YouTube is on the show notes as well. And social media, all the links are there. Um, and if you enjoy the podcast um, and it helps you in some small way, but you need urgent help, then in the UK, call the Samaritans on 116-123. And in the US, it's 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-TALK. Or the US suicide hotline in the US is 988. Um, Jen, thank you so much. It's thank you. An this was so pleasure. fun. Thank you. I was nervous because I didn't know where we were going to go, but it was, you made it I so kind of feel that's, that's, that, that's what the beauty of this is. I've got, I've got literally, I've got like a blank piece of paper with no questions on there, and we just go where it goes. Yeah, and, it was um, delightful. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. And uh, uh, like I say, hopefully in the new year, come come and join us again, and we'll learn all about yoga. I'd be happy to. <laughs> Excellent. Bye, friends. Mm -hmm.